This podcast is brought to you by ClearBridge Investments. Meet an evolving economy confidently with ClearBridge Active Equities, the foundation of a resilient portfolio. ClearBridge, a Franklin Templeton company. Go to clearbridge.com to learn more. Hi, and good afternoon, everyone. This is Sterling Shea with Barron's Wealth and Asset Management Group, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another installment of The Way Forward. This week, we have two very special guests with us, Shannon Yusey and Matt Cooper, who are CEO and president, respectively, of Beacon Point Advisors, which is a Southern California-based firm with a national footprint, uh, well over $10 billion in client assets, uh, and was recognized as on our list of the top 50 U.S. RA firms last year. Shannon, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Sterling, doing great. I'm actually in the office today, left three teenagers and a 20-year-old at home. How are you taking care of yourself? Uh, we are doing all right. I'm uh, safely sequestered out in uh, uh, Long Island. Uh, Matt, how about you? Where are you and, and how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sterling. I'm actually uh, sitting down here comfortably in Dallas, Texas. I moved down from California at the end of last year. And um, I don't have any kids at home anymore, so I'm feeling really good. <laughs> How has the adjustment to a, a virtual world uh, been for you both? You know, it's for us, it's worked incredibly well. I was um, very surprised and pleased to see um, we decided on a Monday that we were going to go remote on Tuesday with 160-plus employees, and it has gone seamlessly. I mean, we it's been an incredible transition, and um, it's gone off without a hitch. We are now back to 20% rotating in our offices, so we're excited about that, too. It's really nice to see some familiar faces back in the firm. You've always been a tech-forward firm. I see that's uh, part of your culture. Uh, were you prepared uh, with the uh, technology and setup for that kind of work-from-home transfer? So one of our mottos is high-tech, high-touch. So we were prepared from a technology standpoint. Um, no one ever says, fortunately, they were audited by the SEC. But we were audited um, with a cybersecurity sweep the end of last year. And I think that really got us extra prepared, um, just really testing our systems, making sure everything was working well. Um, so no glitches here. It's been phenomenal. Well, you, you, you talk about high-touch uh, as well as high-tech. And I know that's another part uh, of the story of, of Beacon Point's success. Uh, let's talk about what that high touch means and, and looks like uh, in the context of what we're all going through now. Uh, with the capital market backdrop seeming to have settled down a little bit, although uh, some would argue there's another shoe yet to drop uh, in the financial markets, uh, but fear is not as acute uh, for clients as it was uh, a month or two or three ago. Um, but they're still anxious and they're uncertain more than anything else. Uh, what approaches are you as, as a firm and, and what are your advisors doing uh, to mitigate that anxiety and, and uncertainty that clients are feeling? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, communication, communication, communication. So we're making sure that we're out in front of clients, staying ahead of clients, making sure that we're running their plans to show them that they're still on track to meet their long-term goals. We have a proprietary tool, which is called All Wealth, which we use to make sure that we're hitting on all aspects of a client's financial life. So we're, we're really just making sure that we're in front of the clients, being prepared to answer any question before they ask the question and hitting them with the information. We've obviously done a number of uh, Zoom calls for clients. Um, and I think that's been kind of neat. You know, we had an um, epidemiologist on in the middle of March. And normally we would have, you know, a couple hundred people in the room. Well, this allows us to have, you know, over a thousand people listening in and helping clients, you know, digest information and learn more about what was going on, not only in the economy, but within our healthcare um, system. And th this was, this was particularly interesting. Um, this, um, 
fellow who was speaking to our clients, this doctor, um, told us the day before that he actually had COVID. So it was actually, I think, really helpful for our clients to see somebody actually going through COVID and explaining, you know, what the effects were. You say the secret is uh, communication, communication, communication. I, I agree. Uh, how did your communication frequency and, and uh, strategy change in the midst of all this? Were you doing the same as before, just just more of it? Or were there elements that you, you tweaked when you recognized we were going to be in this situation for a while? Yeah, we pivoted pretty quickly. You know, we hadn't been doing, you know, Zoom calls with all of our clients until um, this crisis. So that was a, a, a significant pivot within the organization. We obviously knew how to use the technology and we're using the technology for other areas of the business. But I think that communication changed uh, quite rapidly. And, re- you know, really just communicating all of our communications with clients via Zoom, which was a little bit unique. I mean, we obviously were out meeting with clients prior to um, COVID, um, but we weren't doing Zoom calls when we were doing conference calls. So now I think it just gives us another opportunity to see clients again face-to-face. Where So we're seeing clients more than we were seeing them before face-to-face, um, just not in the same room. Uh, what are they asking about? What, what, what are the Beacon Point clients concerned about these days and, and how are you responding? So the, the most common question is, you know, am I on track you know, where I was before. And, you know, the answer for all of our clients is, yes, they're on track because, you know, we build in um, some downside protection into their portfolios. And so they've done quite well in here. The one thing that I was surprised about is, you know, we obviously can see all of our clients' data and how they're, how they're doing in their portfolios, but the spending levels of our clients have decreased more than the return on their portfolio. So obviously that that's going to have an economic impact um, as we um, go through this, but their their clients are clearly doing well through um, through their portfolio allocation and um, their spending. Well, another interesting part of this is that the intense volatility, which we all know sooner or later will return, uh, not only impacts client portfolios, but it impacts the health uh, of, of advisory firms. Uh, how do you put that into context if, if people are asking, how's the firm doing and, and, and how are you doing? How do you explain that impact? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we're all human, you know, and, and our clients are human. So, you know, there's, there's an emotional aspect to investing and volatility creates emotions. You know, we're, we're always diligent about, about telling our advisors to take away the emotion because anytime you get emotionally caught up with a client or emotionally caught up in the market, it doesn't help your decision-making. So we always try to remove the emotion from, you know, any decision-making we're making within the business and with our clients. And, and, and our philosophy has always been to have a patient, you know, and diligent, you know, execution of a, a portfolio. So, you know, as we put the portfolio together, we're really thinking about long-term investing. And many of our clients have been through market environments like this. At least they all went through the Great Recession with us, um, or many of them went through that with us. So they're experienced with volatility. This has just been a little bit different because we now all across the globe have this commonality with COVID. Matt, you have a thought on that? You want to come in? From the advisor's perspective, um, we now have 16 offices, uh, 14 of which came through M&A. And most of these advisors, you know, they went through 0809 as just a, an individual advisor, smaller firm, smaller shop. And in this environment, today's environment with the COVID situation, they're able to relax and really lean in on client service and focus on the client and the relationship and the emotional support for the client and not have to worry about compliance and billing and all the other stuff that that used to, uh, you know, fill 
a part of their mind. They're able to focus on what's most important, which is the client. Well, th- that's a great point. And, and Shannon, to what you said about the advice you're giving your advisors, let's dig in on that a little bit more. Uh, what, what are some of the things, what are some of the do's that you're telling your advisors and, and some of the don'ts, some of the things, what's the message to the, to the, the field team out there uh, in terms of what they should be focusing on right now and, and, and uh, what they shouldn't be doing? Well, I think, again, it goes to the firm message of communication, communication, communication. You know, I think as a younger advisor, it's often easy to be reactive. Although I, I, the flip side of that is the younger advisor is generally more technologically savvy than the older advisor. So this is the communication method that they're used to. So I, I think, at least from my perspective, our advisors are aggressively communicating with clients because that's been a top-down message that we've shared with them. You know, not experiencing volatility in the past, so a younger advisor not going through volatility. Again, it goes back to, you know, removing the emotions from it. You know, not not being by the side cheerleading when the market goes up, but rather being more surgical about, you know, making sure the portfolio is structured the way the client needs the portfolio to be structured for the long-term success of the client. You so well embody what uh, we have been talking about for a long time is that that evolution of uh, firm leader from advisor to CEO, and and both of you, I, I think, are representing solid leadership. Can you talk about what that means in an advisory firm context? Uh, you have a dynamic, multifaceted, multi-state team. Uh, what have you learned about leadership in the work from home? format. Yeah, I'll share a couple and I'm sure Matt will add on. But I think the the biggest thing is making sure we're out in front communicating with each of our offices, as well as helping them with the communication. So they have been they have been extremely impressed with the level of communication that we've given them to give to their clients or that we've actually just gone direct to, to the clients. So having our, you know, office of the CIO out there speaking to clients directly and putting together a podcast every other week just to talk about the state of the market has been extremely helpful um, for each of our advisory offices. Yeah, you know, I would say, well, first of all, let me say that, um, you know, I've had the benefit of, Shannon's about as good as it can be, just as good as they get in terms of CEO of a multi-office RIA firm in our space. So I've had the benefit of really learning from her, but also, you know, when there is no downtime during the day. So what I like to do is to just stop throughout the day and reach out to our partners around the country, one, two, three every day, and just check in, see how you're doing. How are you as a person? How's your family? How's the stress of the business? You know, how are your clients? And just check in. And I think that goes that goes a long way. One thing I would say too is the Zoom meetings and the connectivity of the team, you know, I think it's made everyone a little more authentic. You know, we're now able to see families in the background. We're able to see, you know, you know, parents multitasking with with various things within their their family. You know, we we understand families are dealing with aging parents and having to have um, family members that are in uh, skilled uh, care facilities. And I think knowing that and understanding that and actually now physically seeing it has just really changed the landscape of the relationships we have across the office. Yeah, I, I want to dig in a little bit more on that as well. I, I think culture is something that is going to be revealed by the situation. And strong cultures will prove more resilient uh, and more thoughtful in terms of the service they're able to provide 
underlying clients? What do you do as a leader to make sure that your culture is evolving in the right way when you can't sit face-to-face with someone? Uh, How do you preserve the firm culture? What is it? How has it changed since the onset of all this? And what are you going to do as leaders to preserve uh, and enhance that? Well, I certainly think culture is is the key to successful firms. So making sure it's, you know, top of mind to every organization is vital. You know, we we are doing everything we can from a communication standpoint, from checking in with employees to making sure people are taken care of, you know, to, to really understanding what's important to each of our employees, because what's important to one is not always important to the other. You know, I, I have several examples of, you know, either somebody's got to be home taking care of an aging parent, you know, so can't physically come into an office and, and maybe working remote for the next six months or somebody else who's living at home alone that, you know, would feed off being back in the office. So just making sure that we're really taking care of the individual. And I think that really helps with firm culture. You know, we were also very lucky, Sterling. We twice a year, we have what we call the Beacon Point Leaders Summits, where everybody gets together, all the partners from around the country come together in one room. And we talk through different aspects of the business and and get insights from everybody. But we had that the first week of March, right before everything shut down. So we, you know, we kind of ended the open world environment in a very positive note. Um, And so we went into this very strongly. And I actually had a conversation with one of the custodian heads, I can't remember who it was, about how remarkable it was that we were able to just flip the switch and go to a work from home environment and be so productive. And he mentioned it's a credit to really, you know, storing 15 years of phenomenal culture in the bank. And now you're able to draw on it. Um, it feels like we could keep going like this forever, although I know there's probably uh, a limit to it, but so far, so good. Well, and I would, I would say, Sterling, we've, you know, bringing 20% back into the office um, over the last couple of weeks has been a significant boost to the company. Um, I agree with Matt, you know, increased productivity, certainly, um, you know, you're, you're, you're losing the in-between conversations and meetings. You're losing the conversations in the hallways. But I think that actually goes towards firm culture. There's nothing that can replace human contact or human interaction, you know, face-to-face. Um, we're doing the best we can to try to make sure that we keep that culture going by having, you know, kind of what everyone else is probably doing out there, but doing the the happy hours, having a sports psychologist come on and speak to our team, having a sleep expert come in and speak with our team. But I, I do not believe that it can change, um, you know, the, the human interaction once folks are back up in the office. And I think having a, a schedule where you can actually see folks is important. Couldn't agree with Shannon Moore. Um, it's kind of interesting. At the beginning of this, I was worried, oh, no, this is going to exacerbate the robo environment and, you know, AI taking over the business from humans. But as it's gone on for a little bit, I mean, Shannon nailed it. It's just, there's no replacement for actual in-person human-human contact. Can I ask, how's that gone? Are you, when you say you have 20% back in the office, are they wearing masks? Are they sitting six feet apart? What are the physical elements of what you had to deal with in pulling that off? Sure. So we are socially distant in our office right now with 20% back. That's not a, a huge chunk of people back in the office. We've got like maybe 15 back in the office today. Um, so we're just, we're, we're following protocol. You know, we're, we've got, uh, sanitizer everywhere. We've got spray bottle sanitizer everywhere to make sure that everything's being sprayed down. You know, we're obviously asking people if they're not feeling well not to come into the office and people are respectful of that. Um, but it's been working very well. I, I for one, never really left the office because 
I was really one of only a couple here in the office, and I thought it was easier for me to be here than at home with four kids um, working through. Um, so it's been it's been a pretty seamless transition back into the office, and we don't have every office quite yet up and running because some areas were harder hit than others. But you know, restaurants are opening up in town. I mean, restaurants have been opened up in Texas for the last month, so it's just a, it's just a matter of you know doing it uh, proactively, slowly, and smartly. Can I ask a little bit about growth? Um, I, I know that's been a hallmark of its trajectory as well uh, and a lot of your success. Uh, we'll talk about inorganic and, and M&A growth in, in a minute. Uh, I know you have a unique perspective there, but let's talk first about organic growth. Uh, what's the message to your advisors uh, out in the field right now uh, who might have opportunities for new business, new families they're coming in contact with? How should they be thinking about growth in this context? What are some of the sensitivities and uh, approaches that you think are, are germane to maintaining uh, new business, organic new business momentum in all of this? Yeah, I think we've been fortunate that we've been growing in this market environment. I would say the first couple of weeks was a little bit slower than um, it is now, but we're doing a number of meetings uh, via Zoom, and I think that's really just going to set the stage for client interaction in the future. I mean, I, I certainly think we will still have in-person client meetings, but I think it'll allow for um, us to do Zoom meetings a couple times a year as opposed to meeting with a client four times a year face-to-face. -face. Um, we're, we're aggressively telling our client, our client advisors to go out there and actually gain business because there's a lot of people who are looking at changing advisors in this environment. I think the more people stay at home, the more they're having an opportunity to look at their financial picture. The one benefit that I've seen personally is oftentimes we don't get both spouses in the room. But now we're getting both spouses on the Zoom call or we don't get, you know, it's a maybe a family trust and one person's located in Chicago, one person's located, you know, overseas. Now we're getting everybody in the same same medium to to attend that meeting. And I think that's that's going to be phenomenal for business going forward. Matt, let's talk a little bit about inorganic. Uh, how has M&A activity changed since the lockdown and, and the intense volatility we experienced in, in March? You know, it's been it's been interesting. I would say activity is actually up since all of this started, but I'm not sure it's up for the reasons that people may think it's up. You know, initial thought may be that activity is up because smaller advisors or advisors in general are a little bit panicked about the markets and their future viability and all of this stuff. I think what's going on is um, the principles of RIA firms are working from home or have been working from home. Or they're in an office with nobody else around, not bugging them, and they have the time and the curiosity to take the call. And from our perspective, if we can engage with somebody in a meaningful way for 30, 40 minutes, um, we can determine pretty quick whether or not there's a fit. So we've been able to uh, really expand our pipeline of potential partners uh, in just a matter of weeks. And, and we're not distracted either. So myself and the other people on the team, you know, we're not running around at conferences and sitting on airplanes and all this other stuff. We're actually having, we're sitting down and having meaningful conversations via Zoom or the telephone uh, with people we believe might be reasonable fits for the firm. And it's a key reflection point, I'm sure, for a lot of principals out there who are taking a hard assessment of the impact of, of the business on their company. No doubt. We're, we're, we're hearing that, you know, um, I've got five, six, seven years left. I'd like to work 10 more years. Um, 
maybe it'd be wiser to do it alongside of somebody in a stronger financial position than to try to do this on my own. But to Shannon's point, uh, Beacon Point has been fortunate to have the momentum and opportunity to capitalize on organic growth during this kind of period. Many other firms are struggling with that. Uh, And they're struggling to pivot to uh, engage potentially new client families in in the virtual and uh, digital uh, context. that impacts valuation. It might still be a very good business, but if it can't have the same momentum and growth uh, trajectory, that, that's going to impact what others might see as the, the value of the firm. Can you talk a little bit about uh, shifting valuations and deal structures and how they may have been affected um, since all this started? You bet. So I, right now, I think what we're seeing mostly is people wanting to look through the current volatility and hope that we get a reasonably quick recovery, more of a V than a U and less of a swoosh, if you want to put it in the, the new Nike terms. Um, and so we're, we're willing to um, join them in that paradigm. However, um, it's a structure issue. So all we're saying is, okay, um, if it is uh, a V and it's a, sh- a relatively quick recovery, we're willing to, we're willing to pay you uh, for the business at a certain level. If it's not, then we'd like you to share in the risk with us because we don't want to be paying for something that's not actually there. So it's really a matter of structure and it's it's a little less cash up front, uh, more in terms of earnouts. This is in general across the industry. Uh, but I think most advisors on the sell side, and um, when I'm talking about sell side advisors, I mean the investment bankers, are, are supporting this notion that, that valuations really aren't affected yet. It's more of a structure issue. And that's what we're seeing in the multiple conversations that we're having. With so many uh, firms that are assessing uh, their future and, and where they want to be attached and, and how they want the last few years to go uh, of their career, um, there's a lot of other people considering being an acquirer at this period as well. W- what advice would you give an RIA firm that is considering becoming an acquirer of other, other practices? Well, you know, the first thing I would say is let's consider the end. What's your goal? Where are you trying to get and then is, is M&A the proper means to get there? But if you decide that it is, then I would say this isn't a hobby. Uh, this has to be a strategic focus of the firm. And uh, important people in the firm, senior principals, need to be almost entirely dedicated to this initiative. Because the opportunity cost of messing around with this and not being successful by not getting a deal done or getting a bad deal done you know, doesn't help you. You'd be better off as a lead principal out just bringing in business. Uh, the other consideration is um, clients want more for the same fee or less. And so you're not going to be able to step into the RIA space and attract people like you were 10 years ago by simply talking about all the pitfalls and, and risks and, and potential trouble that's on the horizon for an RIA. You have to build a great platform that they want to run to and not just scare them into joining. So that, that requires significant investment in the firm. So this is not uh, a hobby any longer. There are a lot of very sophisticated players on the buy side, and I think it's going to continue to get uh, even more competitive. So if you're going to do this, um, make it a strategic focus and make the investment and go all in. You can't wait into the, into the shallow end of the pool. Well, it seems like good advice. And uh, I would agree with you that while it's going to be a good time uh, for independent advisors looking forward, uh, it's going to be a complicated time to run an independent wealth management business. Um, 
you mentioned the potential shapes of the recovery, whether it's V or, or U or Nike swoosh. I heard a good one last week. Someone <laughs> said a, squ- a square root symbol, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Shannon, what's your sense? Uh, where's your opinion of where we are in the, in the market turmoil and, and what we can anticipate looking forward? You know, I think the stock market seems to be incredibly satisfied that the worst is over. You know, we're we've already recovered about sixty five percent from the low. I think we're you know S and P is over three thousand here this morning. Um, you know, it looks like the market's priced in a, a V recovery, but you know, our feeling is we're going to see something more like a U or, or even maybe even a W shape recovery. Um, and we may see some setbacks in here. So I think, you know, there's an opportunity for investors to not only take advantage of when this market is um, coming back here, but also to take advantage on um, some of the volatility. This begs the question, Shannon, if uh, clients of the firm are are sitting on cash right now, what, what sectors are you keeping an eye on for potential opportunity uh, to buy uh, good assets at lower prices? What, what areas are you, uh, as an investment firm, focused on right now of the market? So right now, um, we prefer credit over the equity markets. Um, we're continuing to add to our fixed income positions with some credit risk exposure. Um, inclu- included in that is corporate bonds and municipal bonds. Um, within the equity markets, we favor U.S. stocks over international and developed and emerging markets and large cap over small cap. And are you making changes to the way you approach uh, certain sectors and allocations towards, say, alternatives uh, or fixed income? We are certainly making changes there or, better yet, taking advantage of opportunities in those spaces. Um, we've always been um, in the alternative space, so there's some great alternative funds out there that we are investing in. And we've really reduced our allocation to rate duration securities um, and increased our exposure to um, credit spread duration. So we're really looking for opportunities in the fixed income market that can add yield and really getting getting behind uh, what the government's investing in. Well, Matt and Shannon, you've given us a lot to think about, and I I greatly appreciate your perspective on what a lot of advisors are going through right now. Uh, I wonder if you'll humor us by ending the conversation in uh, our Barron's tradition of uh, offering a final actionable idea to the uh, advisors who are listening in. Shannon? Yeah. So just piggybacking on what we were talking about with respect to fixed income, you know, our motto in here is buy what the government is buying and buy what the government is supporting. And the government supporting U.S. credit, investment grade, high yield, and U.S. municipals. And then if you would let me, allow me to give one other bit of advice. You know, I think we have a significant opportunity in this market environment, one that I don't think we're going to see again in our lifetime. What I would say is this is our time to be agile, innovative, and resilient. When else in our lifetime are we going to have the opportunity to fundamentally change the way we're doing business? And we're really excited about what that means for Beacon Point and what it means to serving our clients. Okay, that's a good one. Matt? Sterling, interestingly enough, I'm going to give you the same answer I gave you last year or the year before at the Barron's Conference, uh, but I think it still applies. So my advice would be if you are a part of the firm that is focused on relationships, whether that be organic relationships, bringing in new clients, or inorganic relationships, doing M&A, my advice would be to give up your office because when you give on when you give up your office you're forced to focus on nothing but those relationships and getting results and you're not bogged down with all the clutter so 
That's my wow. advice. Powerful suggestion and uh, incredibly germane. Uh, well, uh, Shannon, Matt, thank you both so much for your insights. Uh, I will look forward to seeing you both in person someday in the future at uh, another Barron's event. Uh, but in the meantime, be well. And I want to thank everyone for listening in. We'll be back next week with another newsletter and episode of The Way Forward. Thanks and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by ClearBridge Investments. Meet an evolving economy confidently with ClearBridge Active Equities, the foundation of a resilient portfolio. ClearBridge, a Franklin Templeton company. Go to clearbridge.com to learn more.